Welcome to episode 22 of Fearless Rebel Radio. Today, my very good friend Kyla Prins is on the show, aka Miss Skinny Jeans, and we are talking about how to find freedom from dieting and body th- shame through discovery, not recovery, how to move forward from events of your past that shaped your self-perception, plus so much more. I love this girl. So you definitely want to check out this episode. Before we get started, can I just say thank you and that I love you because that post that I put up on my blog last week, the number one reason why you're not losing weight on paleo was literally heard around the world and crashed my site a couple times. So I am just feeling very grateful and wanted you to know that. So thank you for sharing and commenting. And I'm so happy that the message got to you. If you're wondering what I'm talking about, head to summerinandin.com and go to my blog and you can find it there. In addition, definitely head to summerinandin.com to grab my free Rule Breaker Starter Kit, which includes my ebook, 10 Rules to Break Right Now to Love Your Body and Ditch Dieting, as well as the 10-Day Body Confidence Makeover, plus a ton of other freebies. And if you can't spell my last name, just go to summerthenutritionist.com. All right, let's get started with the show. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. I am so excited about my guest here today. I was actually on her podcast a few months ago, so I'm really pumped to turn the tables and be the interviewer today. I have Kyla Prins on the show. Kyla Prins is a health coach who works with women who are teetering on the edge between orthorexia, fitness addiction, and recovery. After spending 13 years battling an eating disorder and exercise addiction, changing her identity from runner to clean eating bodybuilder to vegan yogi to anorexic and back again, Kyla started with an ancestral health template to learn how to eat enough of the right foods to nourish her body so she could focus on the things that really matter, like finding her identity and loving the heck out of her life. Kyla believes that recovery is a mixture of consciousness and chemicals, but too many women get caught up in the food and forget to find themselves. If you want to take the journey from chemicals to consciousness, Kyla's health coaching services as well as her blog can be found at inmyskinnyjeans, and that's G-E-N-E-S dot com. And she hosts a weekly podcast called Finding Our Hunger, which is amazing, where she and her co-host interview the experts in fitness, nutrition, and body love to unpack their bags and unashamedly, 
I can't say that word, air what they find inside. <laughs> she also counts characters and not calories on Twitter at Miss Skinny Jeans. And again, it's G-E-N-E-S. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be have the tables turned on me. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm so excited to interview you because I love, you know, I love your podcast. I tell all my clients to, to listen Aww. to it because it's just, it's so refreshing in a world of podcasts filled with, um, you know, like micronutrient analysis and, you know, <laughs> life and biohacking and all that stuff. It's just like, finally, someone's kind of talking about, you know, the, the bigger picture and the, you know, the emotional and psychological side of it, which is so awesome. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I, I mean, it's it's funny because it's very easy to get caught up in the, the chemicals part of it, the micronutrients and the life hacking and everything. Yes. Um, but I really, I mean, one of the things that I loved about starting Finding Our Hunger with my, my co-host Ito was that, you know, it really just came from us having conversations about what we were thinking and feeling and going, you know, I really wish that we could just record this and share it with people. <laughs> you know, and when, so it was born. <laughs> and so it was born. And the best part is, you know, we do get people who are, you know, experts on micronutrients. But when they come on, they talk about the things that they're still working on, which is really kind of neat because it reminds our listeners that, hey, even if you're not there yet, neither are the experts. Totally. So yeah, yeah, totally. And well, I mean, I really have to thank you because you, you were the, you know, a huge, I want to say main reason behind why I started my podcast, because after I was oh. on yours, um, you know, which I think is like episode 51 or 52. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> no, I know, I know that. Uh, you know, I had just had so many women kind of reach out to me and be like, oh, that was so good. You know, I loved your story. And I and I just loved, you know, I loved doing it. And so I was like, yeah, I, I got to start my own podcast. So, oh, totally. And so totally. Struggle Radio was born. But, yeah. um, you know, for people who aren't familiar with you, with you, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your story and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Um, so, you know, it's funny because I feel like we're all unique and special snowflakes, but it's the same story that everybody has yeah. um, mm -hmm. <laughs> at, the, at the very core. Um, but essentially, I was, you know, just an average kid, maybe a little bit on the pudgy side. You know, when I was 10, my ex-stepfather told me that I was fat, like little things. You know, I was raised on steakums and macaroni and cheese and garlic rolls. Oh, my God, the garlic rolls. Oh, um, so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you have no idea. I could go through three or four bread baskets before I got to the baked lasagna, like the baked ziti or the lasagna, things like that. Oh it, was, it was a problem. But, um, but it never was a problem. That being said, you know, mm -hmm. I, I never had an issue with myself other than, you know, I felt kind of uncomfortable in my clothes, but it was never an issue of, oh, I'm fat, oh, I'm ugly, oh, I need to change something. That switched when I turned 13. Um, the summer that I was 13, um, I started getting these crazy hives all over my legs. Um, couldn't we couldn't figure it out what what on earth w was I possibly allergic to and my mom suggested that you know when I was a baby I'd had an allergy test that said oh you know you might have a heightened sensitivity to soy now I didn't think I was eating soy soy was a quote-unquote health food right 
And I wasn't eating health food. I was going to McDonald's. Um, But when I started reading the ingredient labels, which is what I learned how to do, I realized that soy was in everything that I ate. Mm -hmm. Soy lecithin, soy hydrosylate, soy whatever, you name it, it was in my food. So I basically stopped eating because I was scared to death of eating. Um, I cut everything out of my diet down to I think I was doing like half a whole wheat bread peanut butter sandwich a day with some apples and plums you know I mean it was it was pretty bad um, but I was scared to death to eat food my my girlfriends uh, that summer made fun of me because I could never come to the sleepover parties or I'd have to bring my own food because I couldn't I was a, I was afraid to eat the pizza because it might have soy in it wow. so yeah it was it was a little tough that summer but um, I also got a gym membership I'd never had any desire to exercise before I was a theater kid and all I wanted to do was read and be in plays I wasn't a dancer I was just you know I liked I liked the scripts mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, but I got a gym membership. And so after ca- that summer camp, I would go to the gym and then eventually I started biking to the gym, which was three miles away. Um, and so here I was exercising like crazy, definitely not supporting myself nutritionally at all. Um, and also cutting out all the p- packaged foods. I dropped a ton of weight that summer. Um, the girl who was double cast with me is Rizzo in Greece. We had to wear separate costumes and they never did that at camp. You know, unless you were really different sizes, they would try to stuff you into the same costume. Yeah. We definitely had to switch costumes. I was 97 pounds by the end of the summer. Five foot five, mind you. Wow. Yeah. Now, here's the the interesting thing about that. You know, when I realized I wasn't allergic to soy, but to whatever was in my shampoo, um, you'd think that, okay, well, great. Now you can eat food again. Life is good. But what had happened during that time is that um, July 4th, 2001, I'll never forget it, I was starting to get down toward the under 100 weight range and I looked in the mirror. It was the morning that I got my period for the first time and we were throwing a 4th of July party. A boy had asked me out the day before and like given me a peck on the lips and would show up at this party with a bouquet of flowers. Um, all the popular kids at camp were coming and it was my party. So I had all of these amazing, good feedback things happening to me. Um, And I looked in the mirror and I was wearing a bikini comfortably for the first time ever. And I was thin and I was, quote unquote, a grown up. And I went, whatever I'm doing, I have to do more of this. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's when the flip, like the, you know, it switched. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, and I viscerally remember that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I started exercising more, restricting my food more. And yeah, I started high school at 97 pounds. Um, You know, I ended up having a knee surgery and I couldn't exercise. So I put on a whole bunch of weight. So I started running, um, you know, changed my habits. Now I was a carbo loading runner, um, but I was running two or three times a day so that I could stay thin, you know, so it was one of those things where I was just, I started this cycle. Um, and you know, I hadn't been diagnosed with anorexia or anything like that. I was just healthy and doing the right thing. And isn't that what you're supposed to do? Gosh, you're so thin. How do you do it? I want to be like you. Mm-hmm. So, um, that continued through college when I stopped exercising altogether and started going to Tom's for milkshakes at three in the morning. Um, Yes. So, um, (laughs) so I, I, you know, put on the requisite college weight during that time. 
Um, and, you know, it was, I, I was very uncomfortable in my body uh, to the point where, you know, I was wearing size between six and 10 pants and I had never done that before. So my mom suggested that I go on an isogenics cleanse. So I started cleansing and that didn't work. I started gaining weight. Um, so I was frantic and depressed. Um, and I ended up switching colleges. And when I did, I decided that I was going to change my life again. So I started running um, and restricting my food again. And I dropped down to about 103 pounds on nothing but grapefruit and oatmeal, um, which was a horrible summer. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, But uh, no one ever said, hey, you might be anorexic because, you know, I I mean, I was going to see a psychiatrist and they were shoving pills on me and my psychologist was trying to get me off the suicide hotlines um, because I was suicidal at that point, uh, contemplating quitting college, calling my mom hysterical every day. But nobody ever said, you might be anorexic. They just said, hey, you look so good. I wish I had your willpower. I wish I could look like you. Um, And it's really sad. I mean, if you see pictures of me from the summer of 2007, you would know that there was something really wrong. Um, but so after college I left, I started teaching, um, and I didn't have time to focus on me anymore. I had about 200 students with problems of their own. So I, um, gained a whole bunch of weight back. And then the following summer when I left, uh, between teaching and when I left for grad school, I met a guy with whom I had a very complicated relationship. Um, things escalated very quickly. I was ready to marry him after knowing him for two months, but there were some things that, I mean, uh, it's in retrospect, it was sexual abuse. I don't think that it was intentional, but that was kind of how it happened. And he also was a bodybuilder type. You know, he had a squat day and a deadlift day. And he taught me how to use the gym and showed me his favorite fitness models. And when we both went off to our uh, graduate or, you know, our different graduate schools, we did the long distance thing. I decided I was going to look like his favorite fitness model by the time he saw me next. So I started following Toscarino and the Oxygen crowd and Jamie Eason. And then I realized by November when I was set to see him again that I didn't look the way that he wanted me to look or I thought he wanted me to look. And I was scared to show up because he wouldn't love me. I was in my head. There was never any, you know, but... um, I canceled my plane tickets home and then I decided that I was going to diet for real. So I ended up diagnosed with anorexia by the following summer. I quit graduate school and uh, kind of had to start my life over again. Wow. Yeah. So and so like and where okay so and where are you at right now? So you know how long how long has kind of the path been from what you know you might consider like the rock bottom to um, the place where you are now? Well, I hovered just above rock bottom for about two years. You know, I was quote unquote not anorexic, but I was still trying to bodybuild and then I ended up destroying my ankle. Um, I now suffer from chronic pain. So it's been three years since that happened. Um, I also decided to become a vegan during that time so that I could continue to drop weight. And I did. Um, but I got very sick. <laughs> um, I stopped getting my period again, um, covered in acne to the point where I couldn't show my face in public and I worked in retail. So that was a, that was a problem. <laughs> yeah. But when I moved out to California, um, things kind of shifted for me and I started, you know, first of all, I realized that there was something wrong when I stopped getting my period and I wasn't quote unquote anorexic anymore. I knew that there was an issue. Like that's not what happens to healthy people who are juice cleansing. Like that just doesn't, that's not right. Yeah. So 
um, I my mom was is a CrossFitter and she got super into the whole paleo thing and so she kind of left some books around for me to maybe happen upon and I did I happened upon them and I started doing the paleo thing um, and it 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 was as I said you know the chemicals part things changed when I was eating enough calories and they were calories with fat and protein and things that weren't protein powder and you know, my juices, basically. Um, And so that kind of provided the basis for getting back to where I am right now or getting to where I am right now. Because I can say for the first time in my entire adult life, and I'm 28, that I actually feel like a full person. Um, But about two two plus years ago, I um, had a major ankle surgery and I had nothing to do while I was on disability. So I started writing this little blog called In My Skinny Jeans, which was supposed to chronicle my back to health journey. And it turned into something so much bigger. And because of it, um, I've had the opportunity to explore what it means to be healthy out loud um, and kind of stay accountable to my recovery. And in fact, strengthen it and learn from people like you, people like, you know, um, Isabel Fox and Duke, you know, Madeline Moon, who I've met. I mean, like all of these amazing people who I've met through this blog. Um, and then also now working with clients, having gone through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, you know, I, I'm learning how to take kind of what they're learning and keep myself accountable to staying happy and healthy and strong. So, yeah, no, that's, that's, it's really awesome. And, you know, I think like one of the, the main things that is sort of highlighted throughout your journey is, you know, really seeking, like seeking validation was, Mm -hmm. was kind of at the root of, of so much of, of, um, you know, the, the disordered eating, which it is in, in, in a lot of people, right? Like, you know, we're biologically wired to want to be loved and accepted. And, you know, it's that, but it's when you are constantly seeking that validation from other people. And it's when you get that at such a young age, like you did when you were 13 and you looked at yourself in the mirror and you said, whatever I'm doing, I need to keep doing. Um, (laughs) You know, it's, it's really what kind of triggers this, this like rabbit hole that we can go down. And, you know, you, you talked on your blog recently, this was so good, but you talked about discovery versus recovery and about how, you know, your identity was about being accepted by other people, which is obviously like the validation, um, and not about like finding your own person and just being yourself. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So this is actually a really big moment for me because, I kind of already knew this. I've talked about it. I've written about it, but I'd never embraced it before. You know, when we talk about recovery, um, you know, I never went, I was never, even when I was diagnosed as an anorexic, I didn't have the money to go to recovery. I didn't have insurance at the time. So it wasn't an option. I had to do it myself, which I do not recommend. Please, if you were, if you have a serious eating disorder like anorexia, uh, please, please, please seek help. I got lucky, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, if you're just like dealing with disordered eating with orthorexia, you're feeling a little bit trapped by your food and fitness, it's great to like go seek some, you know, self-help, find a health coach, get a psychologist. But if you have anorexia, please go to recovery. But that being said, I think that a lot of recovery is a, it's it's looking toward the past and toward the future. Um, it's about like, were, you know, 
worrying about when am I going to be better? When am I going to be better? When am I going to be recovered? When is life going to stop feeling so awful? Um, and also blaming, a lot of blame, you know, oh, well, I needed validation because my mom said this or because a boy said that or because, you know, I didn't get this award or I should have gotten that. And it's just, there's a lot of dredging up old grudges and fears and also kind of dwelling on why am I not better yet? Mm-hmm. And that, um, I'll give you a really good example. So when I was going through the throes of my final relapse in New York, um, it was suggested that I go to Overeaters Anonymous. Um, They have a anorexic bulimic group. So I went to that. And I listened to these people talking about how they feel recovered, but it's still a struggle and every day is a struggle. And I just went, this is the bleakest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I was, I was suicidal that night. I was, I was on the hotline because I just was like, I can't live like this. And if this is going to be a forever thing, or if I have to keep waiting and waiting and waiting to feel good in my body and my life and in my soul, then I don't want it. I just want it to be done. And that is a terrible, dark place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I, I hate to say this, but a lot of recovery is in that dark place where it's like, acknowledge that you're not there yet, but that there's the there to get to, or let's go back and talk about the things that are hurting you still. And you have to go through that process. Like that, that is something you have to do. You have to go through and catalog the hurts and (laughs) figure out why it is you're hurting to begin with and, you know, figure out what the triggers were so that you can hopefully stop it in the future. But over the past year, for me, it hasn't been so much about recovery, but about discovery, about figuring out what I like outside of food and fitness, what I like outside of my body. Because even a lot of body positivity and body love is focused on your body. Yes. This is, this is why all the shaming stuff happens, because we're still talking about our bodies. What I want to talk about now is not, you know, well, I like my cellulite. You know what? You don't have to like your cellulite. It's just a thing. You can acknowledge your cellulite. You can honor it if it helps you or doesn't. You know, it's one of those things. But the more articles that we write and read on it it's like come on guys what else is there in our lives Mm -hmm. you know or even just bone broth like oh i'm right reading another article on bone broth and why it's healing my gut okay we get it good you've figured it out you've shared it with the people who need to read it you've made your bone broth eat it now what are you going to do and for me it was it's a huge question like okay now what if i'm not a personal trainer if i'm not going to you know sit in my kitchen all day what else is there Mm -hmm. and that for me was like that was the scariest thing to face because i don't really watch movies i don't really go out you know i never really gave myself a chance because i was so busy reading nutrition magazines yes totally you know yeah i understand that so much and i see i see that with my clients all the time and it's and it's why i always ask them i'm like okay if you weren't you know, planning your meals, thinking about what you're going to eat for dinner and thinking about your workout, what would you be doing? And it's honestly, it's amazing how that can be the most daunting question that you would ever ask somebody. They don't have an answer. Yeah, it's scary. And, 
you know, so that was really what I spent, especially the last couple of months. And that's really when it hit me and it kind of stuck as a thing that you can actually do. You know, I found a stupid podcast. I, I say stupid, but I really don't think it's stupid. Um, it's called The Thrilling Adventure Hour. And for me, it's like the perfect intersection between really good playwriting and stand-up comedy, okay. <laughs> you know? Nice. Um, and it's it reflects like old-time radio shows and it just goofy and it makes me laugh to no end and I binge listen to it for two months straight um, because obviously moderation is not my strong point um, <laughs> yeah. and I, I finally caught up and I just started listening to it on a regular basis and then I met people who liked it so now I had something in common with people who weren't concerned with nutrition but I could quote a silly podcast with them but yeah so um but yeah, so what I was saying is, you know, finding people who didn't care about nutrition, I know is really hard because for a lot of us, we get very judgy about like, oh my God, they're eating a non-grass-fed burger. That's disgusting. You know, I'm not going out for tacos from a food truck. Okay. But the point is, do you have fun with them? Yes. You know? Um, and so for me, that's really what happened. So that kind of opened the door to then meeting people who are interested <laughs> in things go. like burlesque dancing. Yeah. Um, or which is something that I didn't realize that I really liked um, you know I started taking dance classes because and they're not um, like fitness classes it's you know um, <laughs> I haven't really talked about this in public yet but they're pole dancing classes nice it is the most fun thing I've ever done in my life and it's at this amazing all-female studio no men allowed so there's no cattiness and no competition it's just i mean women of every size wearing the shortest shorts they can and desperately trying to cling to this pole if there's nothing sexy about it per se it's really more just like i don't know there's a lot of like um cheering each other on and being in this amazing accepting community of people who are so excited when they finally get an invert you know yeah that's awesome Oh, it's it's so empowering. It's been the best thing that I've ever done. And because I'm not doing it to lose weight, I'm I'm at my heaviest I've ever been in my life. I'm and I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's, that that's so awesome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like I why even bother I, talking about it? <laughs> exactly. And like I can't compete in CrossFit and yes, I had to give away a lot of my clothes because they're my anorexia clothes and I don't need them anymore. You know, um it doesn't I'm doing well at my job. I love my job. Like my my non-health coaching job. I love it. I get to travel, I get to work with an amazing team. I it has nothing to do with health and wellness. And I don't care. Because for me, it gets me out of that mindset and lets me focus on helping other people do things like get new jobs, which is what my job, what we do. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like I'm doing a service. I'm helping people. I go and volunteer. I do voiceover now. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to build that up. I mean, I, all of these things that have nothing to do with what my body is capable of per se, you know, nothing to do with the shape of my body, with whether or not I love my cellulite, with whether or not I'm eating bone broth. It's just discovery, you know, and there are things that I've done that I didn't really enjoy and I just won't do it again. But I feel like it's not a wasted moment. Yeah, that's so that's so awesome. I love I love that. I love that you've gotten to that place. And it's so, you know, it must be so freeing to you know like that that day or that moment when you're like wait a minute like I didn't think about food or exercise at all today like oh, yeah. how, how amazing is that you know all of a sudden you sort of realize that you've made this you know monumental shift in in thinking and in, in the fact that you're not thinking about it 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's scary. I, I'm not going to lie. It's scary at the beginning when you're staring into that abyss of, I know I shouldn't think about it. I know I shouldn't think about it. I know I shouldn't think about it. But I'm thinking about it and I'm scared because what if? But for me, discovery really is about living in the moment. And it's so easy to say and it's very hard to access and you have to do the work. every. I mean, every day I have to do the work. It's not like now I'm in this enlightened place where I will never feel any sort of body shame again. I will never feel like I need to, you know, worry about my food. No, I mean, that's unfortunately it's part of my DNA. It's 13 years of my life, you know? Yes. Yeah. But. But that being said, I know how to get back here because I have the script to do the work. So, you know, it, it was interesting. I went to um, the Dickens Christmas Fair, which is a big thing in San Francisco every year. And I was in San Francisco for an entire day. And I, I, it was through lunchtime and I wouldn't get home until after when I normally eat dinner. And it didn't freak me out that I was going to have to either wait to eat or bring something with me or you know there was no I just went and mm -hmm. whatever was going to happen happened you know I shared some roasted chestnuts with my coworker, and uh then I drove home and had dinner and it nobody died and it was it was a very pleasant experience <laughs> yeah that's so that's so good and um yeah I experienced that recently too because like my you know my disordered habits always manifested in like being such a hyper planner and always mm -hmm. needing to know like what my food options were going to be and stressing yeah. about that. And yeah, recently when I ha drove, um, you know, across the country to move to the West Coast, uh, I didn't pack anything, you know, I didn't oh, wow. like, I didn't, I didn't spend, you know, a whole bunch of time like you know buying paleo kits and like different <laughs> things to make sure I would have stuff to you know hide in my suitcase to take across the border because we drove <laughs> across um, the US but yeah. Uh, yeah no it was just like I'm just gonna go with the flow and it'll get figured out and um, exactly. yeah and it was just like what a relief <laughs> you know to not have that stress <laughs> and to totally. actually just like enjoy what was going on and yeah I had to eat McDonald's a couple times but I was just like I'm just gonna do my best here and you know mm -hmm. whatever I'm gonna pretend I'm a kid and pretend I'm enjoying it even though it was like not the greatest <laughs> burger because I'm kind of yeah. a burger snob now but it was just <laughs> like whatever you know and then um you know I just could make better options when I could and that was that it was yeah it was, and it was fine and it was so cool not to have that stress well you know it's funny I think part of why for me at least the the hyper planning stress happened um besides the fact that I was scared of getting fat if I ate anything outside of my allotted windows and outside of my allotted calories and you know all of that stuff which I'm sure you're probably uh, unfortunately too familiar yeah um but for me when I was doing the bodybuilding thing, especially, I had all of my meals planned. So I knew that I was going to get 200 calories of whatever. Um, and I would look forward to it and I would crave it because I was starving. Um, right. But to me, it was like every meal counted, not just from the calorie sense, but from the like, I will die if I do not eat this. So this meal better be the best thing that I can put in my body and give me all of the endorphin rush that I need and, you know, all of these things. So when you leave that mindset and move into like a real food mindset, it's still difficult to change that feeling of like every meal must be perfect because it might be the last meal I ever eat, right? Like that's the feeling that you have. Um, like if, if anything didn't come out right in a meal, it was devastating because then I wasn't going to get to eat. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now it's like, 
well, you know, I might burn my green beans or have to eat McDonald's, you know, whatever on a road trip. But it's one of those things where it's like you make do, but it's not the last meal you're ever going to get. It's not the only chance you ever have to eat this thing, you know? Um, And for me, that having that shift as well, it's tough. And especially when you're dealing with a lot of health issues, because I don't get me wrong, I've got my fair share now, you know, thyroid stuff, hormone stuff. I only just got my period back a couple months ago yeah. after two years of eating paleo and praying. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Not always the solution. <laughs> no, no, it didn't, it didn't solve everything. Um, yeah. How do you, ma- how do you manage that? You know, how do you manage to eat paleo and not be like rigid and, and, you know, disordered with it? That's a really tough question because, you know, I don't even really define it as paleo anymore. No, I mean, no, me either. Yeah. You know, like it's one of those things where like I think stopping defining it as paleo was a really good first step. <laughs> For sure. You know, like ah, not having to explain myself, um, you know, and here's the deal. So like when you go to a restaurant, right, if you've got like something like MS or whatever where you really do or have to pay attention to your food. That's a different story. I'm just talking about me with a couple of health issues recovering from anorexia, right? So I go to a restaurant. I used to have to know beforehand what was on the menu, what was available. Am I going to be able to eat anything here? You know, it's a dangerous sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But um, okay, so fine. Great. That's a little bit restrictive, a little bit disorderly because you're so busy obsessing about what you can or can't eat. Now, if I go to a restaurant, I know I'm going to find something. It may not be the best thing, but am I going to sacrifice going out to eat with my family or with friends or with my coworkers because I, you know, the only non-paleo thing on the menu is salmon and I really wanted a burger that day or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where I don't obsess about it. And yeah, I go to the farmer's market. That's where I do most of my shopping. Um, But I haven't turned down a dinner date because I want to make sure I cook my meal. Um, You know, no, I don't eat wheat. That's really, I I have got, I got glutened recently and it was very uncomfortable. I, so I choose not to do that, but I don't obsess about it. Same thing with dairy. Um, I haven't been able to have dairy since I went vegan. Now I, I mean, you'll know my face breaks out like crazy and I'm so uncomfortable for the entire day. So it's not worth it to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay, so maybe I can't have dessert at the restaurant, you know, but that doesn't, there's no restriction to it. There's no, I don't have any meal timing. I don't, um, I don't, decide if I'm going to have my carbs before 4 p.m. or if I'm carb backloading. I don't worry about bulletproof coffee versus, you know, what intermittent fasting. I, I don't and I don't count what I'm eating. I just put food on a plate if I'm hungry. And, you know, yeah. I don't I don't necessarily know what I'm going to have for the next meal. And that to me is the end of restriction because just because I don't eat bread does not make me a restrictive person, if that makes any sense. Totally. Yeah. I think it's, it's just the intention is different. You know, it's, it's yeah. the, you know, the intent to not want to feel crappy because this food makes you feel crappy is very different than the intent to avoid a food because you're so afraid it's going to make you fat. Exactly. And I think the problem is there's a lot of that crossover where a lot of women out there, and I hope you don't resonate with this, but if you do, um, you know, I'm with you where feeling crappy and feeling fat become the same thing in your head. Um, so, and because there's such an obsessive 
focus in the paleo sphere, paleo, primal, Weston A. Price, et cetera, um, whatever you want to call it, whatever it's being called this week. There's such an obsessive focus on biohacking and optimal health. Yeah. Uh, you know what? We're human beings. We break. We're n- probably never going to be optimally healthy 100% of the time. If you get glutened and you don't have like a major degenerative disorder, you're just worried about feeling kind of crappy and or fat, you don't die. You don't die. Like that's the thing. You know, and I, I mean, obviously there's caveats and obviously you don't have to go out and seek feeling crappy. I'm not suggesting that. But what I am suggesting is, well, first of all, if you do gain weight, um, as I've learned, you don't die. Um, and if you do get glutened or you end up with, you know, butter in your Brussels sprouts and you can't do lactose, you don't die. Um, you wake up the next morning and sometimes you can't get your rings off your fingers. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. But, and, you know, and it seems so simple, but it's like there's such a blurred line between mm-hmm. um you know, like this true desire to be like to change your body and be validated and like going under the guise of I'm being really healthy, which is what I was was which which is what I was, you know, (laughs) yeah, like, I was really just, you know, this girl that was just so obsessed with like, you know, getting my body to as low body fat as possible. Mm -hmm. But to everybody else, I was just super health conscious. And it's like you said, you know, that you had um, no one diagnosed you, no one said no one said you had a problem. And it was the same thing with me, you know, doctors, personal trainers, like even I would go to a personal trainer. And I'd be like, I'm trying to lose weight. And instead of him being like looking at me and being like, well, you're already working out seven days a week and following a paleo zone diet, eating 1100 calories. uh, I think you have a problem. He was like, okay, here's what we're going to do to try and get you to lose more weight. It's like, you know, there's such a, and so it's, you know, it can, um, yeah, it's just the lines can get blurred so easily. The problem is, and so, so here's what I'm seeing in the world. And I I like, I completely hear you. This is, you just told the story of my life, right? Yes. (laughs) And the story of everybody's life, because we live in this weird health paradox time where there is something bad going on in terms of just the things that we are being fed. Um, But we're also living in a time where it's not okay to be any body size except what shows up on Photoshop, you know? Um, And so it's a little bit difficult because, you know, on the one hand, there is a stigma against ill health. And on the other, there's a stigma against body fat. And they're two different things. First of all, they're two completely separate things. Yes, sometimes there is, you know, body, excess weight can be, you know, correlated with your health problems, whatever. But I feel like the people who should be listening to the messages about their health problems are not the people who are listening to the problem. Like, it just, we all we hear is weight loss. Yes. You know? I don't I don't know how to better phrase this and it's something I'm trying to better articulate but it's like there is such a, a a value placed on being thin in this society to the point where thin has been given the definition healthy and so many women are underweight they're not getting their periods or their clothes they're hormonally dysregulated you know they're miserable they're obsessed with their fitness to the point where if you, they miss a class they go through withdrawal symptoms similar to that of opiates. Um, I've been there. I've done that. Not the opiates, but the exercise addiction withdrawals. Um, it's, it is horrifying to me 
that I bought into it for so long and that the thing is it's it's in our our cultural script i mean i can't go to starbucks and stand in line without hearing somebody say how bad they're being for getting a drink or you know how they wish they were losing more weight or you know they're just coming back from their third spin class of the day because that's healthy yeah and well i mean it's it's just and it's really like it comes down to it's such a feminist thing too i mean it's just like it's expected for women to want to be younger and thinner and better looking Mm -hmm. like i was just you know and and when you start to like when you're like you or i and you're you're a coach in this in this world you see it everywhere and you realize how sad and it like it's it's really sad but you know i was just watching the news the other day and Mm -hmm. this woman made like a 3d printout of her body and it was really really cool and then she was just like but you know you can like have them like shave off a few pounds to make you thinner and the other female co-host was like well that's what every woman wants that would be amazing and i was just like i wanted to throw my tv into the (laughs) ocean like i just (laughs) i was like we need to stop these discussions like just stop talking about our bodies like there are these things that we manipulate that they that they dictate our happiness you know they're just it's part of us it's just we have to see ourselves as whole beings and not as not as like this our body as something that we manipulate to dictate our future and our happiness or our health for that matter Um, yeah well and there's another layer to that too because when we are in the paleo ancestral biohacking life hacking community right there's there are the transformation stories of people who overcame serious diseases and then there are the transformation stories of people who lost a lot of weight and often those things are conflated they'll show how this person lost 250 pounds and overcame ms or you know what i mean so it's one of those things where it's like when you are somebody who is already probably underweight or at a uh, a normal weight and you start doing paleo as a means to quote unquote be optimally healthy i think this is why so many of the people who read and listen to my my blog and podcast come to me in in general is because you know they feel like they're not optimally healthy mm-hmm. When in reality, what they're looking for is validation that they're not thin enough yet. And it's it's heartbreaking because optimal health in the paleo sphere and, and in the vegan sphere and whatever is like being at a 0% body fat. I'm not just, you know, um, throwing this all in paleo. It's just that's the world I operate in right now. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was a vegan, it was all about being having a yoga body and having zero body fat and whatever. Um but that's what it is. It's there's this high premium and and quote unquote when you're doing it right, not only will all of your health problems go away, you will be effortlessly lean. And not even skinny because obviously in the paleo world there's a lot of people who are talking about strong as a new skinny whatever, you know, but you'll be effortlessly lean. And that didn't happen for me. I still have thyroid problems and I gained weight. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me know? too. And I think I think it's great that people like us are out there showing that like that's not <laughs> that's not always the story. But I think the yeah. huge uh, another major overlooked piece is just emotional health. <laughs> you oh, know, God, yeah. you know, it's like focusing so much on 
physical markers of health, blood markers, like, yep. you know, hormone levels. But it's like, you know what? Are you happy? <laughs> are you, uh, you know, are you thinking about things other than food? Like, how do you feel when you eat that? You know, mm-hmm. like, even if it's just like a paleo cookie, like, are you feeling guilt? You know, are you yep. going through a cycle of, you know, deprivation and sabotage with a, within a paleo realm? Like, which is what I operated within for you know, Mm -hmm. a couple years, like literally just like I would binge on paleo desserts. Right, right. (laughs) and And so, so. (laughs) yeah, you know what I mean? But like from an emotional health level, like that's not healthy. And I think that that's a huge overlooked piece as well is, is like what's actually going on in the brain. Yeah, yeah. You're thinking about stuff. Exactly. And that's where the discovery part comes in. And the thing is, though, you have to be ready for discovery. And that is something that only you can know you know, you, the listener, um, that is something that only you can know because there and discovery, it takes a long time. I mean, I was in quote unquote recovery for four years until a couple months ago when it smacked me in the face, like a Mack truck. Oh, this is how it goes. You know, Mm -hmm. like even though I was already kind of there, it didn't really click until it clicked. And, you know, for me, trying to find that place of emotional health I was desperately trying to throw you know macronutrients and micronutrients at it when in reality those are the basis the foundation like if you're not eating the right things then your brain just doesn't work that's just kind of one of those things that happens but in reality the majority of the work you have to do is emotional mm-hmm. it's totally. emotional and it's mental it's all about trying to figure out what it is that you like outside of food Yeah. And so, you know, through when you're talking about like recovery, you know, you talk about kind of addressing your past and many people have like a broken past, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's like all those memories of other people, you know, calling them fat or abuse that they kind of endured growing up. And they they want so badly to fix that broken piece in order Mm -hmm. to move forward. But we can't always fix that piece. You know, sometimes that is a broken piece that we carry forward, mm-hmm. you know, so how, like, you know, how do you carry those broken pieces forward and, 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 and move past it and like not let it define you anymore? Oh, I love that question because there is such a danger in telling your story. You know, for me with the blog, it was the beginning of my recovery was telling my story, you know, and of course, obviously I just told my whole story. So yeah. <laughs> there we go, right? But there is such a danger in it. Um, the danger is that we hold on to the broken pieces and we keep cutting ourselves with them, um, opening up the wounds as much as we can because it feels good to bleed. I, I mean, I hate that's a really dark metaphor, but it's so true. Like mm-hmm. I loved telling the, my story because I got to relive it in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to feel all of that pain again. And I don't know what it is about us human creatures, but we love drama. We just love it. I don't understand it, but, you know, I'll own it. Um, I don't. <laughs> love love drama I don't go seeking it but at the same time as human beings I think we kind of do yeah I think all bloggers and podcasters do so I'm with you on that (laughs) but you know and I read so many um, recovery stories on the internet like I'll see somebody on the Huffington Post or somebody will share their their story on a guest blog and I can still hear them hurting when they tell that story it's because they want to feel the wound again to relive it and this is to me it's part of recovery right going back in and figuring it out what where you know where's the splinter right mm-hmm. just f- figuring out where the splinter is running your hand over it recognizing that it hurts discovery is taking the darn splinter out 
just taking it out and saying, you know what, it doesn't hurt me anymore. You know, for me, the big part of it, and, you know, I really didn't get into this, but, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of issues in terms of um, being hurt by men um, leading up to sexual abuse, which was it was kind of non-consensual date rape, basically, yeah, on a multiple ongoing basis. But um, but it wasn't just one person. It was multiple people. And I'd been cheated on. I'd been hurt. And I had allowed all these things to happen. And every time that I ended up in a relationship, I would relapse. You know, almost every single actually, no, every single time that I started to go back down that road, it was because I was in a sexual relationship, um, whether that was consummated or whatever. But any sort of like um, romantic relationship, I guess, is a better word. Um, and it it really messed me up. And I was scared to death to date because I just didn't want to keep finding those same patterns. But you know what? When you go out and do the discovery work, when you take the splinter out, you stop seeking the same patterns to keep feeding the same drama. So I've completely changed the context of the way that I date and the people that I seek and the way that I vet them and the way that I communicate. And it has changed so much for me just in the last couple of months. Um, I'm still not perfect. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to deal with some of those past hurts, but I don't go seeking splinters anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. Such a good analogy. Yeah. And I think, you know, part of that is like coming to terms with the fact that there is no like, quote unquote, solution. You know, everybody's looking for like, that one thing that's just going to be the the solution to, you know, their problems or their past or or whatever, you know, that missing piece that's going to throw it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like that, you know, the journey to healing doesn't look like that, you know, we're always going to have like broken pieces that are a part of us along the way and we're always going to have ups and downs and it, and it is a journey. Yeah, it really is. And it's just a question of whether you are ready to stop feeling the hurt. And I think for a lot of us, we're not, but when you are, that's when things like health coaching really help (laughs) because, you know, like when I was in therapy, I would fight with my therapists because I still wanted to, I just wanted to go in and tell my story. Yeah, I just wanted to go in and have somebody say, you poor thing. I wanted to cry. I wanted to feel it. And it's only now that it's like, I don't want to cry about this anymore. I want to go on dates and have a good time and not feel like I'm going to, you know, end up completely destroying my life because I can't handle, you know, when somebody leans in for the first kiss, like that's not okay. Yeah. You know, and it's it's been a really tough journey, but I'm not willing to hold on to the brokenness anymore. And that for for me is about being in the moment. It's about and it's also about communication. Um, Like these are my limits. These are my boundaries uh, and checking in with yourself. You know, am I okay with this? Is this something I can do? Um, Not just with dating, but with food, with going out and finding your identity, you know, in listening to a podcast that doesn't teach you about macronutrients. Like check in with yourself, find out what's going on. Why is it not okay? Why is it still hurting? Why are you still having the urge to do this, that, or the other thing when you know that it's going to hurt you? And when you can start pinpointing the patterns, that's when you can break them. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it it, it takes a bit of work. And sometimes it's just about like, like part of what I, you know, the, the discovery is just getting outside of your own head. And yeah, like it, it, not even so much as a distraction, but just living outside of that kind of like you know, realm of, of your past or your wounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. No, that's awesome. Well, um, 
Yeah, as we wrap things up here, you know, the last question that I ask all of my guests is what is the most fearless thing that you have done? <laughs> um, well, of, of late, um, I, it's somewhere between pole dancing and dating. I don't know. <laughs> the same time maybe <laughs> the same, I have not I've yet to combine the two <laughs> um, but yeah I mean honestly those are actually the two biggest things because one involves you know bearing my body in front of other women basically I mean I'm not doing striptease but we're wearing next to nothing um, and being in, an, in a non-competitive female environment is still very scary because there's a a question of am I going to be good enough right yeah. and then also dating again is is putting my body for view of another person you know like is what if they don't like me what if I'm too fat what if I da 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 what if what if no for me it's been about finding people who communicate and who are willing to love me for whatever it is that I look like and you know go out and enjoy our lives at the same time you know it's not about fixing each other and it's not about fixing myself for somebody else. It's just about finding that place of mutual enjoyment. And it is the scariest thing ever, but it's fantastic. That's <laughs> so, awesome. That's so good. Yeah. Well, I could honestly like ask you so many more questions. I think I'm going to have to have you back on again. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> I'm podcast addict. So. Yeah. Yeah. So what's uh like, what's, you know, what, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? How do you help people? Sure. Um, well, so um, as we mentioned, I am a health coach, so I work with people to help them figure out what this whole identity thing is. Um, I'm kind of in the middle of a rebrand. I'm less focused on chemicals and more focused on consciousness. Um, in other words, finding the place of discovery outside of food. Nice. Um, Yes. So, but you can find me at my blog in my skinny jeans. That's G E N E S dot com. Um, there's a work with me button right at the top, so you can't miss that. Um, or you can just read the blog post as well. Um, opt in for the email newsletter, all that fun stuff. Um, the gratitude and, Mad Libs. Oh, yes. Lest yes. we forget the gratitude <laughs> Mad Libs. How awesome is that? Yeah, thank you for that. So, yeah, so I created. Um, Gratitude, and we didn't even get into this, but gratitude has been a huge part of just resetting my brain to get to a place where I can do the work to be happy. Um, and so, but remembering to be, to do a gratitude practice can be really difficult. It's like any habit. So I made it easy. Uh, all you have to do is go to inmyskinnyjeans.com slash gratitude madlibs or click on the gratitude madlibs link on my site. Um, you put in your email address and every single day um, in the evening, you for 30 days, you will get an email with madlibs and it says today I'm grateful for and then it'll give you a thing and you just fill it in. So you don't have to remember. It'll just show up. Um, you can tweet it if you want. They're all under 140 characters. Um, <laughs> so awesome. Yeah, there's a click to tweet button if you if you're uh, of the public accountability type uh, as I am. But um, yeah, so it could be like today I'm grateful for reading blank book because I it took me on a great adventure to X, you know, or, you know, today I'm grateful for sharing a meal with so-and-so and you'd fill in the so-and-so. So it's, it's pretty fun. Um, I really, I really like it. And it seems like the people who've been tweeting, um, are enjoying it as well. So that's so cool. Yeah. And then you have your podcast too, because I kind of cut you off there. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. So the podcast is called finding our hunger. Um, and you can find us iTunes, Stitcher, or at FindingOurHunger.com. We're on a whole bunch of different podcast directories and you can get the RSS. So however you choose to listen, you can get, uh, me and Ito in your ears every week. Um, where as we 
mentioned, you know, I talked to the experts, including Summer, um, <laughs> about how, you know, what it is that you have in your bags today. And it's really cool because we get to see that everybody is on a journey and there is no destination. It's just where you are today. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on Twitter because I'm an addict to that as well. Again, no sense of moderation whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm at Miss Skinny Jeans, also G-E-N-E-S. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for thank all of your you. time. And I feel like we like barely scratched the surface. I honestly wanted to talk <laughs> to you about so many other things, but um, we'll have to do a part two like in a couple months and yeah. uh, and dig into it a bit more, especially once you've gone through the rebranding. But uh, yeah, you just had so many good things to say. I think it'll resonate with a lot of women. So thank you so much for being here and rock on. Yeah, rock on. <laughs> <laughs> on. You can head to summerinanin.com forward slash FRR dash 22 to grab all the links that were mentioned in this podcast. Just look for the show notes. You'll find a link to Kyla's podcast, her gratitude Mad Libs, plus her amazing body image report that came out. Uh, it came out after we recorded, so we didn't talk about it and I wish we had, so I'll have her back on again to talk about it, but she did this amazing survey, um, all about body image and you can find a link to that report in the show notes again, summerinandin.com forward slash FRR dash 22, or just go to Kyla's website in myskinnyjeans.com. And once again, I would be so honored and grateful if you took two seconds to leave me a review on iTunes. It means a lot because then we can get this message out there and get other women listening to this podcast. So I'm not just doing it. I'm not just telling you this so that I read them and feel better about myself. No, I actually really just want more women to hear this message. So please take two seconds to do it. And I would be so grateful.